Welcome to Real Marketers, where we hear from marketers who move fast, ask forgiveness, not permission, obsess about driving results, and are filled to the brim with crazy ideas and the guts to implement them. This is not a fireside chat, and there's absolutely no bullshit allowed here. And I'm your host, Stephanie Cox. I have more than 15 years of marketing experience, and I've pretty much done about everything in my career. I believe speed is better than perfection. I use the Oxford comma. I love Coca-Cola, have exceptionally high standards, and surround myself with people who get shit done. On this show, my guests and I will push boundaries and share the real truths about marketing and empower you to become a real marketer. So first question, tell me something about yourself that few people know. Yeah, that's a that's a hardball question to start out with. Um, I'm I'm pretty much an open book, but surprisingly, very few people know that I was a I was a collegiate athlete. I I wrestled um, in college, uh, you know, shortly in in Division One. I, I I apparently don't give off the athlete vibe as as a professional these days, but um, but loved uh, you know loved wrestling in high school and and was a, a state place winner in Indiana and 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 went on to. To school to to pursue that for a while and and just love love sports in general but but have um, always felt like that was a big part of me that people don't know about and and drives a lot of my competitiveness. I was gonna say what like how do you see that you know driving you in your current career? I, I think as a you know communicator, <laughs> um, you know ultimately sometimes it's it's you against the against the world. I, I, you know, sometimes it's an individual sport. You have a lot of competing priorities. Um, you know, you have to have that drive to, to kind of, you know, get things done. Um, that, that ambition, that passion, um, you know, I, I find a lot of similarities between, you know, sports in general. Um, and especially all the wrestling is a team sport is very individualized and, and sometimes it's, it's on you, um, you know, to, to succeed, to move things forward. Um, you know, and, and sometimes it's, it's a matter of will, and I think with communication, sometimes I mean, there's there's just so many stakeholders and so many layers, especially in large corporations, that um, you know sometimes you you have to kind of kind of will your way to to get some projects across the finish line at times, especially when they're, they're the big, hairy, audacious goals that that you have of your own, um, you know that that you know will make things better, but um, you know you, you don't necessarily have the buy-in and support enterprise wide on. I assume that's something that you probably deal with a lot. You mentioned your profession, you're a communicator. And one of the things, and one of the reasons I want to have you on the show is it's hard to really communicate to employees or externally these days, given all the noise that exists, especially in the last 18 months where it feels like you have to constantly communicate and tell people what's going on when it can change so rapidly. How do you think about really starting to figure out what a, a communication strategy should look like. Yeah, I, I don't know that this is, you know, necessarily revolutionary, but it, but I always start with the audience and, and particularly on employee um, communications. It, it is easy to get, you know, wrapped around the axle and, and you have so many different leaders and stakeholders and, you know, that th- they have a message to deliver. And, you know, as a communicator, you feel like you have to serve, you know, all of those messages and, and decide what's important, you know, based upon, you know, who the leader is or where they rank in the organization. And I think when you back away and, and you know, kind of look at things, you know, from the perspective of your audiences and you, you are the advocate for the audiences and, and, 
whether it's developing you know a communication strategy or delivering a communication or figuring out what channel you're you're going to you know uh, deliver through or even creating new channels I, you know i i think it's just something we always have to kind of get back to um you know, and, and not lose sight of, because as a communicator, you are, you are that advocate, uh, working in a large organization, you know, like I do, you know, we have people that sit behind desks, um, in the office or, or used to sit in the office every day, um, you know, are out at some of our customers are, you know, are, are based in the field. And then those that work in our warehouse manufacturing facilities and you know there's a lot of different personas there and they and they ingest content in several different ways and and we need to make sure that we're you know we're looking out for them do you find that's one of the hardest things is you mentioned and i think it's a really great point that often time people overlook is that people digest content in different ways do you find that to be hard to explain maybe to the broader group that you're working with to try and help communicate their message that not everyone wants to watch your video, not everyone wants to read it, not everyone wants a four-page you know, summary? How do you help people figure out the best way to communicate to others? Yeah, I mean, it is a constant... Um you know, education and, and selling point of a communicator, you know, whether it be a leader or a marketer, um, you know, I, I think my approach has always been, you know, ask them to, to, you know, put themselves in those, in those shoes as a consumer themselves. Would you want to watch that four minute video? If you were, um, you know, an employee, would you want to read that 10 page white paper? Um, and, and if, you know, usually the answer is no, um, there may be people certainly that are very interested in the topic, uh, you know, and, and, you know, there's a way to deliver communications where it's, it's, you know, a funnel approach and we can tease information and go to deeper dives and, and help, you know, particularly with, with marketers to, you know, kind of, you know, still deliver that deeper level communication to people that want it. Um, but, but building, a you know, a, a strategy, building a nurture campaign, you know, whether it be external, you know, um, audiences or internal, we do a lot of, a lot of nurture. We do a, a lot of, um, you know, teaser campaigns with our employees because there are some very, um, scientific people in our organization that want, they want that 10 page white paper, but, but not everybody does. And the goal is to reach the, the widest possible audience. Um, and, and so I think a lot of that is I, I just always, you know, challenge, you know, whoever my stakeholders are to, to, you know, sit in the shoes of the, of the viewer, of the reader, of the listener, and, you know, how do they want to consume that? And I also, you know, challenge them in terms of, um, you know, channel management, everybody, you know, well, well, a marketer who sits in the office may ingest all of their content through email or IM. Is that the right way to go? They, they have a company phone that it's easy for them to access content. What, what other ways, where do we go to, you know, to reach that employee that doesn't have access to a computer, you know, instead of asking them to come to us, we have to go to where they're at. And, you know, I mean, employee, Facebook pages, you know, are, are a great example of that. So, so building those channels and, you know, making sure that people are looking at things, you know, as a consumer, um, you know, air quotes is, is really important, um, you know, for me to, to get stakeholders to understand. I love what you just said about nurture tracks and campaigns. I don't think I've ever heard someone think about their internal communications that way. It's really smart though. Can you tell me, tell me more about how you think about those te like teasers to employees or nurturing them to get them to really understand the message you're trying to communicate? 
Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of different ways, and and maybe the best way to you know to talk about it is to give an example. You know, we you know I think everybody was a you know was a day one employee at some point in their job, and um, you you get your you know your orientation, and you get kind of the data dump of here's all of the. 17 million things you need to know and sign up for benefits and you know all this stuff on on day one um and we had had our you know our hr team you know approach us and we want to you know talk to us about building a website and um you know we want to give all this information to them as soon as they get out we automatically you know send this link to them as, as soon as they get out of orientation um and and we said well that you know this is great it's all great information but isn't it a little overwhelming and do they really need to know that information right now so um you know so in that that was more of a, a drip campaign where we said you know on day one you know let, let's start let's take some of the some of the expertise that we've built and and engaging with our customers on drip and, and nurture campaigns and um and say we're going to do a we're going to do a 10-week email drip so we load uh the customers who, who are the employees into this um campaign on day one and truly it is, you know, the basics of, you know, here's the map to campus, you know, on, on day one, um, you know, and then maybe it's day 10, um, you know, here's, here's what you need to do from a benefits perspective. And here's, you know, on day 20, you know, we talk about our, our fitness facility and give them an overview of that. And, and it allows them to truly digest the content, um, you know, in, in bite-sized chunks. So, you know, I, I think that was, you know, really positively received by, you know, not only our HR team, but but I think many of our new employees, because, you know, when we gave that to them all at once, it was just in one ear and out, out the other. It was just overwhelming to them. But I also think, you know, when, when we talk about kind of nurture campaigns, you know, when we, t we talk about, you know, getting, um, you know, getting our audiences interested in things at a very high level. Um, we, we believe strongly in, in our employees having a high business acumen, um, understanding our, you know, we have a, a, a tie to, to patients. Um, it's, it's our purpose, um, doing now what patients need next. And so, so, you know, that, that education is is really important, but it doesn't always look the same to to again every employee. So we may start at very high level, um, you know, very you know explaining the science like you would explain it to your um, to your neighbor, uh, you know, very layman's terms, and and then we would you know have kind of some you know th throughout that campaign, whether it be a video or a patient story, you know, we would drive down deeper, drill down deeper, and get um, maybe some more scientific. Um, you know, stories from medical professionals or for our, our medical and scientific affairs team and allow people to kind of, um, you know, become more educated, uh, you know, as they wish uh, at their own pace through, you know, kind of through ongoing communications in that manner. So in the last 18 months, I know you've had to communicate a lot to employees with information constantly changing around COVID. What has been you know, I think the biggest challenge for you on getting information to the team when they're also, especially early on, so overwhelmed with just the information they're getting from the news in general. How have you thought about making sure you have, you know, the right information about health and safety being shared to your team members in a timely way? Has there been anything different that you've done? Yeah, I mean, I think the... You know, the start of the pandemic, you know, for, for probably most communicators would say, you know, it really, uh, you know, forced us all to kind of cut back to, you know, the, the core basics, you know, what, you know, all, all of these, 
you know, plans and communication strategies that were probably were super important to us in January and February of 2020, I, I mean, completely were irrelevant in, in March. And so getting back to those things like employee safety, um, you know, and, and just kind of core, you know, baseline communicating in efficient manner, um, you know, in, in an effective manner was, was really important. Um, so, you know, so for one, it's, you know, it's the 80-20 rule. It, it doesn't have to be, you know, for, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. We, you know, so it was certainly substance over style, you know, that whereas before we were a very high production communications organization and, and you know, we, it, it kind of got in our ways and in our way in terms of delivering timely communication. Um, that went out the window. And, you know, I think that was really helpful for us. And I think we've adopted that, you know, I look 20, 20 months, you know, uh, ahead and people are like, yeah, we didn't need all of that anyway. So, which is, which is super helpful. Um, you know, but I think more importantly, it was, you know, how, how did we, we wanted to make the employees, you know, feel like, um, you know, their employer, understood what they were going through, you know, had their back, you know, willingness to have two-way communication. Um, so, you know, early on, yes, absolutely. We had, you know, a lot of outbound communications, but quickly we realized about a week and a half in that we needed to start having regular two-way um, engagement. And we, and we quickly, um, you know, adopted kind of these weekly and then bi-weekly town halls, um, you know, not a lot of substance to delivery of content, but more of just, taking questions, you know, we, we used, um, you know, some technology to, to allow people to text in their questions and um, creating resources through those questions to allow people, you know, whether it be, you know, FAQs or additional information, but it really guided a lot of where we, we needed to focus kind of our efforts based upon some of the questions. And we, and we had two very different employee bases. We had, um, we're, you know, as a, as a provider of, of COVID testing, we, we had essential employees on, on campus the, the entire time that we're delivering these critical tests and, and we were all rallying around that. We had support personnel that were installing instruments and serving and servicing instruments in hospitals. And, and, you know, we were trying to make sure that they were safe. They had the proper PPE. They knew how to order it. Um, you know, but then on the same time, we were also very concerned about these people that were faced with all of a sudden their, their children were at home. They're trying to work. They felt overwhelmed. They, you know, they were, they were scared. Um, they, some of them felt guilty, you know, is it okay that I have my children working with me, you know? And so, so, you know, delivering, um, you know, those messages, modeling the way through our leadership, you know, both in a visual and written way, I think it was really important for us to, um, you know, to, to make sure that we over communicated, but it wasn't, um, again, wasn't, wasn't a, in an overproduced way. I love that. And I think that was probably well received from your team as well. Would you agree? Definitely. I think that, you know, I mean, there was a sense of a pride and a sense of, you know, people, you know, we, we were all in this together, you know, and, and I think, you know, not only in communicating, regularly, but communicating that we didn't have all the answers. We didn't know if we were coming back. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's funny to look back here. It's, it's interesting really to look back at it now, but, um, you know, we, we thought, well, we'd be back in 30 days, 45 days. It was going to be Easter, you know, and, and then, you know, it became longer and longer and, and, you know, showing, um, you know, the employee base that, you know, the, the leadership was, was, working through the challenges as this went from a short term, you know, issue to a longer term issue that we, you know, didn't have the answers, but we understood where, where their challenges were. I think it, it went so far to, um, you know, to, to, to the employee base to know that they, you know, they were, they were part of a, an organization that really cared about, 
cared about them. Speaking of that, how do you solicit feedback around communications? Is that something that's very formal for your organization? Is it more ad hoc? How do you think about figuring out if the con- if you're, how you're communicating is working for various groups? Yeah, that's the million dollar question as an internal communicator, um, you know, and it may be the, the measurement piece for one. And, and um, probably every, every interview I've ever had, you know, that question has been asked. Um, you know, and, and so we, we try to leverage technologies, you know, that allow us to understand engagement, you know, as, as best we can. And whether that's be, you know, video views or, you know, email marketing tools, um, you know, we, we try to create in the tools that we create, you know, engagement opportunities where people can comment, like, share, you know, so we can measure those those items as well. But that doesn't tell, you know, truly, you know, the, the full story. Um and, and we're we're very much a speak up culture. We you know believe in in having a an interactive component to every town hall that we have. Um, you know where and and creating opportunities where people can ask questions in person or they can ask questions anonymously. They can provide feedback in that way and and making it very easy to do and acceptable to do. Um, we we also do that for you know, even, even the stories that go out in our, in our weekly newsletter, uh, allow commenting and, and sharing. And so we do get feedback on those things. And sometimes the, the, you know, I mean, you can, you can look at that feedback and see trend lines. Um, you know, there, there's certainly some, some opportunities where, you know, especially during COVID that, you know, that feedback was invaluable on things that we didn't even think about. You know, I mean, it was just every day was a new issue. It was like, wow, we never really considered that. Um, you know, but I think it's, you know, allowing the, you know, or, or, or creating channels, creating opportunities, you know, whether it be even the simple as just surveys, um, you know, you, I just think it's invaluable to make sure that you have a pulse on your, your audience. And I, I would just add to that as we talk about, you know, kind of being the advocate for your audiences, we get caught up in, in surveys, you know, I mean, it, that's great, but, but remembering that it, that's only one part of your audience, you know, that the people that sit behind the desk, you know, what, how are we, how are we getting feedback from those people that are in the field working in our hospitals, um, you know, or in our manufacturing facilities. And so we have to get creative about the ways that we're soliciting those feedback, either through, you know, through stand-up meetings, um, you know, or otherwise. And that's a, transparently, that's a constant struggle that that we have with an organization of over 11,000 people in the U S it's, but, but we have to, as communicators, make sure that we're getting a full picture of that feedback. So as you think about, you've mentioned, right, large organization, and it's global, how do you think about the differences between communicating to U.S.-based employees versus employees maybe in EMEA? Like, are there nuances to that that you have to really think about, not just in the tone that you have, but as well as like the tactics that you use? Yeah, it is very different. And and I'm learning that, you know, in this role, um, you know, very quickly, we, we are a, a pretty decentralized organization. So, um, you know, within our, our specific regions, we kind of communicate independently and we have our own communication team for the U S um, you know, I, I would even argue within the U S we have, um, nine different locations and how we communicate in the Bay area in, in California, is very different than how we communicate in Indianapolis or, or New Jersey. Um, but, but I think in terms of the language, you know, I certainly, um, you know, differences from, from EMEA to, to the, to the U S and we've actually kind of 
are, are in the process of kind of adopting a model where we're localizing communications from our headquarters in, in Europe, um, making sure that they have the, you know, kind of the right messaging. I, you know, I think, you know, a couple of tidbits is, you know, certainly U.S. I, I'm a proponent of shorter form communications. I think there's, um, you know, when I when I look at some of our, our communications that come from global, they're they're longer in nature. Um, we're a little more creative in terms of the channels that we use um, in the U.S. Certainly, you know, bigger um, bigger users of of text messaging for for urgent type messages in the U.S. So there's some channel differences as well. Um, and I and it's and I think it's important um, to you know to not. To, you know, to, to, to not assume that one size fits all, you know, and, and it's not, you know, we talked about the, the different employee personas, but, but I think you make an excellent point. I mean, from, from EMEA to, to Asia, to, to the U S it's very different. And, um, you know, I think knowing that and understanding that, and, and I, you know, that's a, a stakeholder management for me now reporting into a global organization, um, of, of having to do some education on that. And, and, you know, I, I think it's been very well received, but, but um, it's it's been an education even to me, and and I've worked for a, for a global company for for going on eight years now. So um, you know it's it's a constant learning curve. One of the things that you said earlier that I'd love to kind of go back to is around Facebook for employee communications. What are you doing there, and how are you are you thinking about that channel? Yeah, we let's see. We started that maybe um, a couple years after after I was at Roche. We you know. We, we had very limited channels at the time. Um, you know, we kind of had an internal, uh, you know, not to get too much into the technical SharePoint internet site that was only accessible through a firewall and, you know, I mean, couldn't be accessed to, on, on people's personal devices. Um, you know, we had what we affectionately call potty posters that were in our restrooms. We, you know, we really didn't have a lot of digital signage. Um, but, but we had, um, a, a very um, engaged campus, and and you know, and we had a strong desire as communicators to to you know tie some of these activities and events across our campus, um, and and really engage with our audience in a different way. And at that time, it was you know every channel that we used was a one way top down communication. There was no you know no bottom up engagement. There was no um, you know cross sharing of information. And so we started out. It was a it was a bit of a battle, you know, as as you can imagine, to to create a social page. But we created an um, employee Facebook page for our our campus. And it was really meant to kind of it was non-product related, non-business related. Starting out, it was more about you know you know our diversity inclusion initiatives. It was activities on campus, philanthropic efforts, um, you know, and it was a, an opportunity for employees who were very passionate about some of these you know philanthropic efforts or, or diversity and inclusion activities they were part of, for for them to share content for them to post photos. Um, but, but then it, it quickly grew. Um, you know, I was responsible for our, our meetings and Congress's, um, you know, team. And we, we started leveraging that, you know, there, there's a small contingent of people that go to our conventions. It's marketers and salespeople. We always hear about them. I'm, you know, the people that are, are, are in our warehouse or the people that, that work in, you know, our call center, but, but they're never able to go and see what that looks like. So we started um, doing live broadcasts from, you know, from some of our largest trade shows or from, um, you know, our sales meeting where we post photos and, and we do engage and, and, um, 
you know, really kind of tie that connectedness um, to, you know, to, to our employees, no matter where you sit, we're all part of the same organization and we're, we're all, you know, driving toward the same thing, regardless if you're in a customer facing position or not. Um, and then during COVID, you know, we, we ultimately, we had, um, you know, we had some essential employees out in the field doing some heroic work early on well and, and continue to do work that we're you know we're in hospitals um you know installing equipment um you know during the lockdowns um you know getting people up and running on the COVID testing and and we we shared some of those stories we we would do um you know video chats and we would share those through our employee facebook page and huge sense of pride, uh, you know, I, I think, and, and camaraderie and respect for those employees to understand what they were doing and what they were seeing out there. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's just, I, I think it's an incredible tool. Um, you know, it, it finding out what it is to be used for, you know, like any channel, you know, I, I think the, the opportunity is there and, and people see it and they, they want to, to put every piece of content in that and, and, and make, you know, all of, all of the channels kind of a very shotgun approach. Um, that's certainly, you know, not how Facebook employee pages should be used, but I think there is a, a huge opportunity for, for them to, in, to help increase engagement uh, across a large employee base. That's really cool. I love how you've been thinking about this. When you, you know, come into like an internal comms role and I know you recently changed, you're at the same company, you're still at Roche, but you recently changed roles and what you're over. How do you think about evaluating what is currently being done and from a comms perspective and figuring out, you know, this works, we should move forward with this, or this needs some improvement. This is a sticking point. How do you evaluate that and know where to focus on when, you know, in your role, there's always stuff to do. And so sometimes I think, you know, I can imagine it's hard to be able to find the time to take a step back and think about strategically what's the best way to do it. So how do you balance that and figure out how to move forward? Yeah, it is a, you know, a million dollar question and and anyone that's been through a, you know, a transformation or restructure or, you know, reorganization across the time, it, it is hard because you have legacy, um, you know, our functions, you know, I think legacy perceptions of, of, you know, how your organization should operate. And yet you're, you're coming in and being asked and, and being charged to, um, you know, re reinvent in, in many ways, you know, how, um, you know, how, how to communicate with whether it be employees or, or whatever. Um, and I, and I'm right in the middle of that right now. I mean, we're, we had, um, you know, I, responsible for seven different locations uh, across the U.S., and they all had um, individual communicators that that were at those sites and did things in very different ways, and and communication showed up in very different ways. Um, it wasn't right, it wasn't wrong, it wasn't you know anything. It it just um, was different. And so figuring out, you know, one of one of the charges for me was figuring out what you know what makes sense. You know, where where do we need to align? Um, you know, I, I try not to, you know, try not to approach things, you know, um, you know, from a consistency only standpoint, I mean, consistency for the sake of consistency is, is not really a value. So, you know, is there a value in consistency? Is there a value in keeping things, you know, more individualized, but, um, you know, so, so I think, you know, you have to, you have to keep the trains moving, you know, one, I mean, you have to continue to, to deliver, you know, that day-to-day communications that that's, you know, um, been provided before, but, but I've always found it's, it's, you know, having conversations with, 
you know, your the, the stakeholders, you know, having conversations with, you know, other communicators. Um, you know, we've put, recently put together kind of the small squad of, of communicators that have been living um, this for several years. And, and truly, if we were to, you know, take a, a blank canvas, you know, how would we approach this differently? What are we trying to accomplish as communicators instead of, you know, how are we going to reassign tasks? It's, you know, what what is good look like at the end of the day? Um, and then kind of build backward from there. What do we need to, to deliver on that? Whether it be resources, whether it be channels, whether it be tools, um, you know, and then what things do do we need to jettison from from this in order to be successful? And, um, you know, that that's the toughest part as a communicator, because you'd like to it, it's easy to say or somebody to come down and say, hey, you know, we don't do that. We're not communications. But, um, you know, that's that's not the solution always, you know, it's, it's, you have to figure out how to, you know, the, the communication still needs to be done, but does it need to be performed by um, communications? Are we an extra set of hands or are we a strategic, um, you know, who partner who's providing, you know, additional value. And, and if we're not a strategic partner providing additional value and we're just doing it as an extra set of hands, we, we need to help figure out, you know, where does that fit? Um, you know, whether it's, you know, training, um, you know, the IT team to do their own communications, or it's helping them to develop tools, or it's coaching, um, you know, uh, our diversity and inclusion teams to, um, to, to communicate on their own and, and, and giving them the, the resources and the training available. I think that's still the role of communications. It's not, it doesn't necessarily mean we always have to do everything, but, but we do need to, to be that, um, you know, that, that source, that resource to these other groups to enable them to communicate effectively as well. And that frees up, um, you know, resources and opportunities for us to do things that, that are truly going to drive greater impact. So thinking about just communications in general, if you had to give someone, you know, one to two things that you would say are must do's, what would those be? Yeah, I th- I think that I, you know go, going back to my you know kind of earlier comment about you know audiences you know you you must know who your audience is um, in order to be able to be their advocate you 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 truly need to understand you know what their you know how they consume content um, you know and and make sure that we you know. Um, that, that, that you're able to, to be their advocate and, and understand what they need and under, and, and, um, you know, understand that it's a, it's not a one size fits all approach. So, so I think, you know, g- getting out and understanding that in some groups it's, it's easier than others, you know, I mean, I, I'm in a unique situation, but, and I, but I think a lot of communicators are, are as well. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of companies that have field and, and local employees and, um, and in this COVID environment, I mean, you know, t- time zones, I mean, nobody works in the same city any, anymore. Um, you know, even understanding that, um, you know, we, we, you know, we've had challenges in sending text messages and, and being able to ensure that we're not sending them at, you know, 5 a.m. Pacific time, you know, so, so even those, those small things, I mean, understanding where your audience is and, and, and delivering communications that, that um, respect to kind of, kind of where, where they are. You've been listening to Real Marketers. If you love what you've heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. And don't forget to tell a friend. All of this marketing goodness shouldn't be kept a secret.